You're listening to episode 22 of the Becoming Aligned podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. My guests have found their own unique way to navigate through the distractions, the pressures, and the expectations of everyday life. And in the process, they've discovered the freedom to be truly themselves, to tune into their own heart, and to honor their own unique voice. I'll explore what motivates them, what challenges them, and what strategies help them work towards their goal in a way that nourishes their mind and body. I believe everyone has a story to share, and that we become a stronger community when we're able to listen and learn from those around us. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness, I'm a Chicago-based self-discovery mentor and Pilates instructor. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that it's not about perfection, but the process of becoming aligned. In this episode, I talked to Ruth Ann Renault. I just loved our conversation. She is such a thoughtful, nurturing, and wise person. And you'll see what I mean when you take a listen to this episode. She's someone I really admire because she lives her life with such purpose. You don't have to know her very long to begin to understand what she values because she really lives her values through her work and her personal life. And some of those values include empowering women, friends and family, access to education, cycling, personal growth, empathy, and connection. You just see those values and more shine through her in the way she lives her life. We talk about what shaped her outlook on life and how she switched gears and made a pivot, a career pivot, so that she could apply her skills and knowledge in the nonprofit sector. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Ruth Ann Renault. Hi, Ruth Ann. Thank you so much for being on the Becoming Aligned podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Maureen, thanks so much for inviting me to be part of this series. Yay. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the podcast for a number of reasons. One of those just being that like you're just someone who I really admire for so many different reasons. And I'm just excited to kind of sit down with you and talk about your journey because you're someone who I feel is very purposeful in how you choose to live your life. And you strike me as someone who has a strong sense of how you want to live and the work you want to be doing. Um, and I mean work in the sense of how you want to make a difference in the world. And I, you know, that I think translates from your career to even your personal life. And there seems to be a meshing of those two worlds, which I just find really interesting. Um, and I'd love to dive into that a little bit more throughout the course of our conversation today. So, so thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Well, great. Let's get started. Yay. <laughs> All right. So before we dive into some of the topics that I just mentioned, can you please start us off by just telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Right. So I'm Ruth Ann Renault, and I live here in the city of Chicago. My husband, Tom, and I have lived here will be exactly 22 years wow. next week. It wow. is now the place that I have lived the longest in my life. And it is the place that he has lived the longest in his life. So this has truly become home for us. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and you, Ruthann, you, you work right now in nonprofit, right? You have so many aspects of your life, I feel like, that are interesting. You work in a nonprofit sector. You also have like a full social life. I love to hear a little bit about those aspects of you. So I do work in the nonprofit sector. I currently serve as the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at the Ronald McDonald House Charities of Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana. And for you know those that are listening, you, you may know of, of the charity or certainly have heard of it, but the, the organization really provides such essential care for, mm-hmm. for families. And we exist so that families can get better together. The Ronald McDonald House Charities here in the Chicagoland area has five Ronald McDonald Houses, three Ronald McDonald Family Rooms, which are inside mm-hmm. children's hospitals, wow. and we have two care mobiles that mm-hmm. provide wellness and health care visits 
for children who live on the south and the west sides of the city. Awesome. So every day we are providing care and comfort to families so that they can stay close to their child in the midst of what might be the most challenging medical journey that they are facing as a family. Ah, yeah, that's so powerful. And yeah, I hear you talking about that. And I think you asked me this question because you're like, I think you're trying to sort out how we associate the Ronald McDonald House versus McDonald's. Can you explain that um, connection to everyone? Sure. So McDonald's Corporation is the founding funder Mm. for the Ronald McDonald House Charities. And so when the organization was first started in the 1970s, McDonald's was that very first financial supporter of, of this organization. And the first Ronald McDonald House was established in Philadelphia. Okay. And the second Ronald McDonald House was established here in Chicago, oh. in downtown Chicago, in Lincoln Park, huh. near Children's Memorial Hospital. So, you know, if you think of, you know, kind of being out and riding your bike or spending time in the city, it was on Deming Street, just around the corner from Children's Memorial Hospital, and it was founded in 1977. Okay. And it became the prototype for then scaling this organization nationally and internationally. There are now more than 360 Ronald McDonald houses around the world. Wow which I found to be just just amazing. I did not realize that the charity was that large and had that many locations serving that many families today. Um, So McDonald's is absolutely a supporter and continues to be today, but they are a piece of that overall fabric Hmm. of support. Got it. So in addition to McDonald's, there's so many other really wonderful corporations here in the Chicago area that support the charity. In addition to that, there are individuals Mm. like you and I that Mm. make a contribution to the organization. And then the other pillar that's so important is volunteers. Mm. You know, this is a charity that provides the opportunity for, you know, any one of us to be able to engage and provide a much needed service by volunteering here in the house preparing meals, making cookies, or if you have the flexibility in your schedule to be able to do two or three shifts per month of doing activities at a house that might include gardening Uh or, you know, room refreshing or coordinating a group activity that is taking place with the children or the families um, each evening. So there's several ways in which Mm. one can come alongside Mm. and be part of that experience of helping a family heal. Mm. That's so neat to hear about. Like even just like the gardening piece, like, ah, I would never have thought like that's a way of volunteering your time to, to help Ronald Ronald McDonald house. So there's just a variety (laughs) of ways to contribute, not just with the money or by making meals, but just other ways as well. That's, that's really neat to hear you, to hear you talk more about. Hmm. Yeah, no, something something for you to think about. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Now, Ruthann, I would love to hear. I want to go. I want to talk more about your experience in the nonprofit world, because I know you've had a number of careers working in nonprofit and kind of to hear your journey with that. But before we before we dive into that, can you tell everyone a little bit about what you were like as a young person? Um, like what were the things that you would enjoy doing and the things that you would get just lost and absorbed in? So Maureen, I, as a young child, was an intellectually curious, Mm. avid reader, and I was someone that would get lost for hours in a book. And whether that would be on a rainy Saturday afternoon or staying up way too late, all the way through junior high and <laughs> high school and even college, oh. that that for me always provided a journey mm. and a means to go to other places and have other experiences and for a period of time to maybe get to walk in someone else's footsteps. And I oh. loved that. 
Oh, I can tell just listening to you describe it. That's so beautiful. <laughs> and and the other part of that was, Maureen, and I don't know where you're going to go next with your yeah. questioning, is that I I was also a student government geek. Yeah. So I don't know if one would say that one would get lost in that, mm-hmm. but that was my thing. So I was, you know, the kid that was always in the front row of the seats on the school bus for the field trip <laughs> because I didn't want to miss anything. <laughs> I was typically sitting in the front row of class because yeah. I wanted to be where I thought the action was, whereas I'm certain there was other people that thought there was more action in the back of the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I found my sweet spot was in student government, and I even went away to student government camp. Love so it. Not necessarily the same sort of camp that everybody else was going to. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Like, what were you doing at student government camp? Do you remember? Sure. I was learning about how to run a meeting. (sighs) I was learning about group facilitation, group dynamics, about Robert's Rules of Order. And then how do you put all of those things into play when you are working with a group of students and or administrators to be able to be a sounding board for student issues Mm. and then to advocate for change. Ah, so this advocating for change, that was a, so you, you mentioned wanting, you know, being able to enjoy books and being able to walk in someone else's shoes and then the advocating for change. It just, it makes me think that you're someone who, that, that, that idea for growth and learning and, being a part of that change seems to be something that's really, really valuable to you. Just listening to you talk right there. Yeah, Maureen, it really is. I, I believe in the power of for any one of us to be able to be continuous learners. Mm-hmm. And, and to do that, there are, are many ways in which to be able to build empathy mm-hmm. and connection and, and reading for me was always a, a great way of, of doing that. And then sometimes subliminally or consciously, hopefully provide some of the tools that then gives you examples or the courage mm. to go hopefully create some of that change yourself. Oh, yeah. I love that. The idea of that just helping give you the courage to create that change because that's the thing. It's like the idea of change, it can sound fantastic, but having the courage to actually do so, it can be a little mess. It can be messy, right? I mean, change doesn't just come easily. So yeah. Ruthann, did you find yourself, like, so you were involved in student government throughout high school. Did, were you involved in at the college level as well? So I was predominantly involved through high school. My, okay. my crowning achievement was I was I was president of the Chesapeake Regional Association of Student Councils. Oh wow! Which meant that I was the in essence the president of the student councils for all of the high schools and junior highs within Anne Arundel County, which is where Annapolis, Maryland, is located. Okay. So representing some. Um, 23 schools to the school board and up through the administration was what I did through high school. Wow. When I went to college, I then chose to be involved in other campus-related activities, and I took some of that student government advocacy, and I then became an officer in my sorority, Mm. and then from there I did a semester away in Washington, D.C. that kind of took me back into the mm. government and political arena. So they were interwoven, but they, they you know, followed one chapter after the next. Interesting. Now, did you, did you see a career in politics or in, you know, working in government for yourself then? I did. I had aspirations when I was in, in college that I would most likely get a, a job that would be within politics, you know, ideally perhaps in a senator or congressman's office. And I thought even at that that early stage that running for office might be something that I would want to do yeah. at, at some juncture. And as college came to a close, my path took a turn mm. in that I, instead of going to D.C., I took a job that moved me 
ironically, to Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. So I went to work for a woman-led marketing consulting firm. Oh. And so I went down a bit more of that small business entrepreneur-led um, path Okay. that took me away from politics but took me very much into the business sector. Now, what, what did you study in college, Ruthann? I'm not sure if I know. <laughs> so my degree is in government yeah. and law. Okay, <laughs> got it. That makes sense based on like what was going on beforehand. Okay. Which is, is the equivalent of political science. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, and again, I think that's part of what can happen in life for, for many of us yeah. is that we might start from a particular place and hopefully are, you know, pursuing a particular goal, but along that way. Mm-hmm. There are either opportunities that are presented to us or an, an invitation mm. to either go deeper or to consider taking taking a different path. Yeah. So I'm just trying to picture um, you at the end of your years in college and like getting this <laughs> offer for, you know, to work for this woman led um marketing consulting firm. Was was that on your radar at all or was that idea presented to you? presented to you and you thought this sounds interesting like how did that all play out so my senior year in college I did an internship um, okay. at this marketing firm and then it evolved into a part-time job ah. for my spring semester so while I was interviewing with other companies that were there on that New York to DC corridor mm-hmm. this was the other if you will, job possibility that was there in in the background. And what happened in, gosh, probably April or May, she made the personal and business decision to move her business Mm. from the Philadelphia area to Arizona because her husband had gotten a major um, career and job offer with Intel. And her business was such that she could pick it up and take it somewhere else and it would continue to thrive. And she asked, would I like to go? Uh, And I thought, what the heck? I will go do this for a year or two. uh And went home and packed up my things and drove across country that summer and got settled in, in Arizona and thought, you know, a couple of years of doing this and then I'll head back to the East Coast and I will pick up. Ah, where I was at. Got and it. And ten years, yeah, ten years later, I raised my head and went, "Wow, I'm still here." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that can happen, right? Yeah. Um, right. And so, in in that time, I had met my husband Tom, and we had just recently gotten married. Got it. And he had a job promotion opportunity, and we had the possibility of going to Dallas, Atlanta, or Chicago. Okay. And in a heartbeat we chose Chicago. Mm. We wanted to be in a city. We wanted to be in a place that would have a rich cultural and urban experience and the opportunities to get involved in a variety of, of endeavors. Mm. And so we made the move here. So that's what brought you to Chicago. So it was, it was Mm -hmm. for career change, essentially for your husband's, for Tom moving here for a job at the beginning, right? That's what motivated yeah. your, yeah, brought you guys here. Now, what happened for you career-wise at that point? So I then began the job search process, and I got a job at Ameritech. Okay. And then was at Ameritech over the next 10 years as it went from Ameritech to being bought by SBC, which was Southwestern Bell, who had also bought Pacific Bell and others. And then from there, they bought AT&T and took the name back. Okay. So, so by the time I left the organization, it was AT and T, and I was a director in the AT and T business marketing division, focused specifically on data technology. Mm-hmm. So again, this was a seemingly a very long way from my my days of student government camp yeah. to now applying my marketing and business capabilities in the technology sector. Got it. And, and it was fabulous. I mean, Maureen, I enjoyed the work. I worked with really smart people. Mm. And it was, it was intellectually, you know, very, very stimulating. Um, but 10 years 
came to them being there, Mm -hmm. I had a friend and colleague who tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're doing great here and you you seem to be really thriving, but Ruthann, it's my observation that it doesn't really light you up. And, you know, I wonder what sort of thought and consideration you've given to what are the things that light you up or give you purpose. Ooh. Wow. And, you know, to the the things that you talk about, Maureen, and the things that you encourage each and every one of us to really thoughtfully consider and explore is Mm. what... What you know? What brings you joy? Yeah. Where do you want to put your talent? Where do you want to put your passion? Yeah. So that that friend and colleague introduced me to the CEO of a nonprofit consulting firm. Wow! And that nonprofit consulting firm took a chance on me and hired me, and I became their director of marketing. Wow! So I made this pretty bold pivot for me at that juncture mm-hmm. of going from business marketing to consumer marketing, from technology marketing to really people and passion and purpose marketing of, you know, what does it mean to promote participation in various nonprofit, you know, events and experiences Mm. that will then help fund that particular organization, you know, fulfilling its mission and its goals. So wow. it was it was a very dramatic shift. Yeah. And my world changed overnight and I in essence became lit up. Whoa, I okay, this is so great cuz mm-hmm. I I love that this friend and colleague came up to you and had this like kind of frank conversation with you. Like were you was that those were were those the types of conversations you guys were having already, or were you almost a little taken aback by that you know that being posed to you? I I was not I was not taken by surprise. Yeah, and I think what I really appreciated was that that I was surrounded by friends and colleagues who saw me in terms of being capable mm-hmm. of what I was currently doing. Yeah. But also saw that I had perhaps more or something different mm. to offer in places or ways that could be um, multiplied. Yeah. Oh, I love so, that. So it was it was it was a welcome conversation and I think again it happened also at a time when I was also willing Mm -hmm. to hear it Mm -hmm. and I think that's a big thing for any one of us is we may have things that happen at any one of a number of junctures in our life Mm -hmm. but do we see them Mm -hmm. do we hear them do we do we have the courage to act on them and all those things were in place for me at that moment okay because that's what I was going to ask you like did you have to sit with that for a while and like ponder it or were you someone like who was like, you know what, like these different things lined up and you were ready to hear it and you were ready to take action on it? Like so, which is what it sounds like right now. It sounds like you were ready to take action. But was there was there a lot of discussion between you and Tom and like, you know, some quiet time with yourself before you were ready to make that move? Oh, Maureen, it makes it sound so much easier in hindsight. <laughs> I know, right? It always seems so much easier in hindsight, yeah. yes. Yeah. So so one of the things that, that Tom and I have a history of doing is what we refer to as kitchen counter chats. Oh, I love it. And so there are a lot of life issues that we spend time at the kitchen counter, whether it's over coffee in the morning or wine in the evening. <laughs> yeah. You know. Working, working our way through it mm-hmm. and talking through the possibilities or talking through the risks mm-hmm. or talking about the rewards. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think of myself as being a bold and definitive and, and type of person that leaps right in. Mm-hmm. But Maureen, that's, real, that's really not me. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I do need a little bit of time to process. I do need a little bit of time to get my my head around things. And Tom distinctly said to me, he goes, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yes. If this 
doesn't pan out, he goes, I'm fairly confident they'll take you back at AT AT&T. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And and so I took the deep breath and I thought, I want to do this. Mm. And I want to go try this next thing. And I want to, I want to go learn. I want Mm. to go build. And so, so I did. And I am incredibly thankful that I listened and that I was receptive and I was ready to act yeah. at that moment. Yeah. So I, I, I think that part's so important, that listening and being receptive to hearing something like that and to kind of taking a chance and doing something in a new way. And I'm, I am hearing you say that, and I'm, I'm wondering, what do you think it was that allowed you to be able to hear that and to be receptive to it? Like, would you be able to describe that, or is that hard to describe? I, I can pinpoint it fairly fairly well at, at this juncture. Mm. I was 40-plus years old. Okay. I had been through five to eight years of a challenging situation of Tom and I trying to start a family. Got it, yeah. We had also been all the way down the path and had gone through IVF. Okay. And had done that more than once, things mm. that I never thought I would do. Mm-hmm. And always thought, oh, I'm going to hit my, I'm going to hit my barrier, you know, somewhere along the way. Yeah. And went down that path with the hopes and the anticipation that at the end of this, you get to bring somebody home and ultimately got to that juncture of discovering that was not going to be our story. Yeah. And that also is part of the kitchen counter conversations is that if this is, if this is the, the thing that is not present in our life, this is the burden that we carry or the mm-hmm. absence of a tear. You know, let's be grateful that this is something that we have the strength to carry. Mm-hmm. And then let's figure out what are the things that we can fill in mm-hmm. around them. Yeah. So I was at a turning point of saying, I can now step into this next chapter and do that next thing and take that next risk. So there were those other factors that were happening in my life that let me let go of something yeah, and let me move forward. Oh, oh that's, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ruth Ann. That's, that's really powerful how you said that. Let you let go of some things and, and to be able to, and meet, be able to move forward. And that's not, that's not easy. That takes, there was probably lots of kitchen counter chats about that, I'm sure. And <laughs> Yeah, and 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 there are you 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 continue to live. And yeah. each of us again, it goes back to we each we each carry mm. things with us. Yeah, and some things are visible and present, and some things are sometimes a little bit deeper mm-hmm. or have been resolved. Yeah, perhaps, you know, in different ways along the journey. And so, this particular example is is something that is unique to every woman and or every couple. Mm -hmm. And I'm just grateful that in my case, in our case, Mm. that it was possible to move forward Mm -hmm. and to discover what could be next. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's when the nonprofit world for you just seemed to make seemed to make sense and diving into that. What were the what were the values? What were the things at that point? that you were really looking for? Would, would you be able to describe those? The things that I was looking for included being able to do work that felt purposeful beyond myself, mm. purposeful beyond um, generating revenue or, or contributing to a bottom line or, or the commercial success yeah. of, of something, but to be able to do something where I felt like I could be in service others Mm -hmm. that I could be taking this 20 years of business knowledge that I had been building up and experience and begin to apply it at organizations or in places that could use it Mm -hmm. and were perhaps you know not as deeply resourced and didn't have as large of a staff or or set of 
agencies or entities to work with. So how could I bring something of value Mm -hmm. to places and organizations who had a mission that I could get behind? Okay, now I know everything's like easier to talk about, you know, after the fact, but would you have been able to articulate that back then? Or was there just something kind of guiding you and pulling you in a direction? So I think I knew enough to know. Okay. Because I had done a number of different volunteer things through the years that I I knew enough that in going into the nonprofit sector that the work would likely be as hard mm-hmm. and if not harder than what I had previously right. been doing, but that that sense of connection and satisfaction had the potential of being greater. Mm. So I think I, I, I made that pivot with, with that anticipation. So maybe yeah. I didn't know it, right. Maureen, but I had that anticipation and I thankfully have you know, been blessed to have a series of experiences that have taught me so much as I have also been looking to contribute business and growth and marketing and strategic and tactical um, value into, into these various places. So it's been, it's been a really beautiful um, full circle. Yeah, I love it. And and I, I'm listening and obviously that, that idea of growth and learning um, continues to come up. And I think this idea is is really is great. So often life can be going at such speeds um, and such intensity that I don't know if we always have time carved out to process it. So I'm always just kind of curious how people kind of process the growth and the learning that they're doing for themselves. So even like for you to know that, hey, I, you know, I know I want these values or this is kind of what's pulling me in this direction. Do, is, do you carve out time for yourself for reflection or journaling or how do you think you're able to, you know, to learn the lessons and kind of let them settle into your body in a sense um, from all these things that you're doing? So... I try to do it in in two different ways that to kind of align with with the person that that I am. Mm-hmm. One, I do try to carve out time for myself, mm. and I find that I need that to recharge. Yeah, I find that I need the occasional quiet day. I actually happen to be a big fan of the occasional rainy day. Me too. Because I feel like those <laughs> days they those days give me permission yes. to slow down. Mm-hmm. They give me permission to go and, and sit and read in our sunroom. Mm. They they give me permission to just spend time within myself thinking about what has been unfolding recently. What have I been learning? What am I grateful for? Mm-hmm. So I'm not a very good journaler. Yeah. I I do have a couple of of prayer books that I read, you know, on occasion. I have one that is a, a daily um, devotion book that what I love about it is I've had it now for several years, and I might read what is the entry for April 12th today. Yeah. And yet when I read it a year ago or three years ago, the where I was at that time yeah. was different. Mm-hmm. So the the content may be the same, but my mind space, my heart space, has shifted a little bit. Mm. So I do, I do those sort of things, and then I do take time. At the beginning of each year, I don't set goals. Mm-hmm. I look to set kind of a theme for the year. Ooh. That that I then look to see how am I living into that as the year unfolds. So it might be a year that is going to be about um, learning and it might be then about a focus around reading female authors or it mm. might be a year about that I am going to spend time intentionally reaching out to friends and family mm. and then I ask myself as the year is unfolding, am I really doing that Yeah. or am I just transacting, you know, yep. because of the busyness? Yep. So... 
And so I try, I try to do it in different ways, and then I do it through um, conversation. Yeah. You know, sometimes just spending time with, you know, with a girlfriend to be able to say, here's a little bit of what's going on with me, and then asking, and what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, and we, you know, one, actually one of the reasons I want to do the podcast was because I feel like we we don't get the chance or the opportunity so much for these deep conversations. We have to be really intentional about carving out time for them. And I think they just, they can, uh, they can just bring so much to our life when we allow this space for that, you know, but so often we can be like, you know, talking on the phone or doing our dishes while we're, you know, while we're doing those things or we're driving and going someplace and we're chatting on the phone and there's nothing wrong with those things. Those are great quick check-ins. But I think those, just those deep conversations when you're, when you're just really listening to each other, you know, mm-hmm. like you just can't beat it. It just, it, like you, I don't know. I, I feel just like my soul just feels like, ah, uh, you know, at peace or something. It just yeah. <laughs> something like that. It's just you just feel good after those kinds of conversations, and they leave you thinking afterwards. It's like going to watch a good movie <laughs> that will leaves you thinking about things afterwards and reflecting and pondering and and growing. You know, so I think that's that's yeah. I love that what you said about conversation. That's so great. Mm. And then, and I'll share with you as we are turning the corner into spring, and I am a, a fair weather um, athlete at best. Ah. But I am a what I, I like to consider a um, an enthusiastic casual cyclist. So I ride my bike a lot. Yes, you and, do. And <laughs> you know, one of the things that that I love as we are now turning the corner to warmer weather is that the weekends, as we get into the summertime, provide the opportunity for long bike rides. Mm -hmm. And so whether that is a, you know, 20 mile or 30 mile or 50 mile Mm -hmm. bike ride, that time on the bike for me Mm -hmm. is actually a really fabulous time that as I am soaking in, you know, the view and the, the ride, I'm processing through an awful lot of things internally. Mm -hmm. And unlike other cyclists who manage to pedal and chat at the same time, I don't have as much air for that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, so, you know, whether I'm riding with friends or I'm riding solo, I end up with, with a nice amount of time kind of inside my own head while also being outside and, that to me makes for a perfect Saturday or Sunday. Ah, oh, yeah, that's great. I was wondering if you were going to mention the cycling because I know that's <laughs> that's such an important part of of your life. And you, know, I feel like um, you just have this amazing social circle around that, and you guys do amer- amazing, um, you know, charitable work through your you know association with spike with uh spiking with biking <laughs> and uh i i think i was thinking about mr sparkles as i was saying that that's the name of your bike right you have he is and you know and that's part of the, the fun with things in life is that sometimes those things that you love end up with the most unexpected names <laughs> and and so you know mr sparkles who has now been my you know, my bike since 2007 wow. um, is, you know, I'm incredibly loyal to him. I, I can't quite fathom getting a new bike because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to let go of that one. Um, so, so there's, there's definitely that and it all ties together because, you know, the, the life that I have the privilege to live is built around, you know, this really incredibly important circle of friends mm. and then a circle of friends that, you know, enable, you know, me and then Tom and I together to share the things that we are interested in or the causes that we care about. Yeah. And then we, we ask of our friends to come along on the ride. Yeah. You know, we ask them to learn about and then to possibly, you know, support, you know, the possibility of, you know, through World Bicycle Relief, you know, providing funding so that, you know, a young girl who lives in a developing country, possibly in Zambia or Kenya or, you know, in a rural area of, of Sub-Saharan Africa can get a bicycle, mm. she can get to school, yeah. and she then has the potential to change her life. 
Maureen, how many times have you heard me tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love it, though. I love it because you guys are so passionate. And, you know, whether I would have known about this organization or not, like, I, like, I, I thank you guys for my exposure to World Bicycle Relief. And it's been really fun to get to see all the good work you guys do through the organization. Mm-hmm. And I love how it ties together your passion for cycling and then being able to help other people have access and opportunity because of you know, because of bicycles, they're such a, they're mm-hmm. amazing tool for fun and for exercise, <laughs> but they're also, it's a powerful tool for being able to get around and being able to have a sense of freedom, um, to navigate, you know, getting to work or whatever the case may be. So yeah, that's, that's and, really cool. And that applies and that's local to global. I mean, yeah. the, the ability, you know, for any one of us from, you know, a, a young, you know, student who is trying to get to school to a person who is trying to build, you know, their work path, mm-hmm. you know, and a sense of independence yeah. or to provide for their family, you know, what are what are the tools? Mm-hmm. What are the mechanisms? What are the things that would enable any one of us yeah. to thrive? And I I believe that those essentials come down to education. Mm-hmm. You know, so access to education, to having then the financial, you know, tools or mechanisms to be able to build that independence mm-hmm. and then the life skills to yeah. take care of yourself and those that you love. And so that's also part of why I volunteer at yeah. an organization called One Million Degrees here in Chicago that's focused on providing services for highly motivated community college students who are mm-hmm. going through the community college system here in Chicago to have the mentoring and the tutoring and the education, you know, resources to help those students, many of whom are first generation in their family, yeah, to get as far as community college, to then be on a path to skills or a degree that will enable them mm-hmm. to go further than perhaps their parents have gone before them. Oh, I and love some it. of them maybe are getting there by bike. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially in like, you know, in the city here. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, just in a more affordable. That's how I commute nowadays because it just oh, it yep. makes it a lot easier in some ways for sure. Um, yeah, I love that. And I know you also spend a lot of, you know, your time and your effort working with women's organizations from, from, from what I can tell. And it just seems to be a passion of yours to empower women. It's, it's a big priority to me. I, Mm. I believe that for all of us to thrive in this world, that there needs to be a greater emphasis, both on equality as well as on equity. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are personal things that we can be doing, and I think that there are systematic yeah. changes that, that need to happen so that girls and women have, again, the education and the opportunity and the seat at the table to mm-hmm. be able to contribute, and that it reaches a juncture where it's not so much about this series of firsts, that are unfolding yeah. that we seem to have been going been going through a hundred or more years of first mm-hmm. that we can begin to reach a juncture that it is not about being, you know, the first African American woman mayor of Chicago or the first right. African American, you know, lesbian mayor of Chicago yep. or to be one of now a few women on the Supreme Court because, you know, God love Ruth you know, Peter yeah. Ginsburg says, why don't we talk about having nine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There. Yes. You know, so, so again, what are the, the tools and the programs from, you know, Girls on the Run mm-hmm. to then programs that can be done as women are getting into the workforce? And then how can any one of us be making our communities mm-hmm. a place that really supports that? Mm. So good. Oh, like, yeah. were you right from the beginning? Like, are these, were these areas a passion of for you um, early on? Or would, has this just been synthesized and become more focused for you? The, the issue of women and girls and opportunities for, for them, I would say, is certainly something that was bubbling and present for me from the time I was 
in high school and in college. Yeah. You know, and I participated in what I would call a, a combination of um, traditional ways of volunteerism. But when I would do that, I would then try to find what I'd call the hard niche. Mm. So I, for example, belonged to the Junior League in Phoenix. Okay. And in doing that, the program that I supported was a women in transitional housing program where for four years I was aligned in a, a mentor and a um, advocate for a woman who is living in transitional housing at the YWCA with her young daughter. Mm. And I was there to be a resource and a sounding board and a champion for her. Mm-hmm. And that to me was far more interesting mm. than working on any of the other functions that would raise money, but that you had to get dressed up for yeah. than, than doing this. So yeah. I really respect, you know, any organization or entity that is doing work that, you know, lifts up women and girls. But if I'm going to get involved with that entity, then I'm going to be likely to be doing things that get me as close mm. to that direct engagement or experience as possible yeah oh so many good things Ruthann I'm uh Mm -hmm. I'm wondering like you mentioned being an avid reader and uh I'm wondering are there any books that have really left an impact on you and like helped shape this out your outlook that you've been telling us about um do and I know you you're such an avid reader there's probably a bunch of them that come up in your brain right now but are there any kind of you know ones that really rise to the surface as you think about that so I'm going to cheat and take first the easy easy way out okay. of when they did this past year on PBS and it was called the great American read oh. and there was this national competition to identify the um, hundred, the top 100 um, works of fiction um, to be selected by um, people from America, so people from from the United States. Okay. So the book didn't have the book doesn't have to be set here in the United States, but the survey group was the United States. So PBS was sponsoring this, and there was a series of documentary um, television programs about it. it was really mm. fabulous. Oh, that and great. so when I saw what was then the curated list of the 100 books that have been identified. And I went through the whole list and I figured out, oh my goodness, I think I've read something like 42 of them, which means I've like 58 more to read. (laughs) And then of all those books, I then spent a little time thinking about which one of these, if I were to only pick one, that I would say would be really most significant you know, perhaps worthy in my eyes. Yeah. And the one that I chose was To Kill a Mockingbird. Ah, yeah. So the end of the story is that turned out to be the one that won the poll. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and I truly did do that at the very, very beginning. And so then I went back and reread it to just Mm. make certain. Yeah. Did I still think so? So that's certainly one that to me in American literature that is, I think, a story that can be encompassing of a lot of life lessons mm. and then can prompt a lot of great conversation for today yeah. as well as from that time frame as well as in, you know, mm-hmm. considering all time leading up to that. So that one's going to be my easy out. Yeah. <laughs> my counterpoint to that is I will share with you the last three books that I've just read Ooh. that I found to be really poignant how they turned out to be similar in terms of, of what really struck me about them. So the three books that I read in the first quarter of this year mm. was um, Educated, uh, yeah. which is a memoir of a young girl who grows up in Idaho in this really challenging life situation and family and has subsequently gone on to get her PhD and to be this thriving intellectual um, and academician mm. and from where she started to where she is today, it's almost implausible to think that that could have happened. Hmm. And so she is young, she is oppressed, she has limited opportunities, and yet she finds a way. Yeah. The second book that I read that really moved me was The Great Believers. Oh. It takes place here in Chicago, 1985 and 2015, and it's at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic and crisis. Oh. And then it fast forward to kind of present day. 
And what does it mean to be other, Mm. to be outside, to be seen as invisible or less worthy, Mm. to not have, you know, as many opportunities or acceptance to be able to thrive and to be who you want to be. And then to be in a situation where those that you love and you know are at risk and many, many are dying. And then as you fast forward, what is that world today? Mm. And then the third one I just finished is Where the Crawdads Sing. And oh my gosh, it's beautiful and it's lyrical and it's almost poetic, but it's the story of a young girl coming of age who is abandoned and again, not educated and is other Mm. and therefore is persecuted and is, you know, is less than. Yeah. And yet, and yet finds her path. So... Maureen, I tend to love oftentimes what I've most recently read. Yeah, <laughs> that's really, <laughs> I like that. You know, and I've heard of Educated and I've, where the, what's it called? Where the Craw? Oh, the where craw? the Craw Dad Sings. Where the, the Craw, craw Dad They're like those little, there's, there's the little critters that are in yes. the marsh in, near the beach. So I've heard of those two, and, but I haven't heard of the Great Believers and that's actually ah. set in Chicago. Okay. Oh, wonderful! So, yeah. so you're going to know you're going to know the, the the you know several of the landmarks. It takes place in the heart of my neighborhood and oh. in part your neighborhood. So it's right here in the you know the Lakeview and Halstead Street area. But yeah. it's also downtown Chicago and it's Northwestern University. Okay. And it is um, it's fascinating and it's heartbreaking and it's powerful. Ah. Oh. Okay. There and there was a theme. There's like there's um a common thread that seems to run through all those all the books that you mentioned. And does that relate to like if I was to ask you what are you learning and growing right now in your life at this st- at this point in time? What are what is it that's really interesting to you? I continue to be interested in the individual story Mm. that any one of us might have, but what is that story? What is that life? What is that journey? What might be those, you know, crossroads and how does one, how does one surmount that challenge and get through to the other side? And so what can we learn from that? Yeah. Or sometimes those stories that are so hard where, Someone does not yet make it to the other side. Yeah. And what can we learn from that also mm-hmm. to be more conscious of those around us? Mm-hmm. So I, I am a fan of novels. I am a fan of historical, you know, both fiction and nonfiction. And I'm interested in themes that can maybe help me better understand how to be a better human. Mm. Oh, and that's, that's so beautiful what you just said, like how to be a better human. And so is there, is there something that you're like, there's this, I want to, I'm working on this. I just want to have a better, is it like just having a better understanding of others? And yeah, cause you do so much good right now, Ruthann. <laughs> I think you do so many wonderful <laughs> things, but you're still working on it. You're still you're still trying to grow in those areas. And, and is it just to understand more or it, is it there really something else? Is, it, is, it is to understand. One of the things that, that I you know, have, have, have learned is that I'm, I'm a bit of an impatient optimist. Mm. And so, mm. you know, I'm trying to find ways to encourage myself to slow down. Okay. To, to listen more to ask more uh, and to not perhaps be so um, quick to drive the solution or to action, but to, to enable the voices around me yeah. to perhaps share, share more and let that help inform yeah. that, that next step. 
Oh, I love that impatient optimist. That's that is great. And what it's led really hard? It's yeah. What led you? What led you to thinking about that? Um, we did a really um, useful, in-depth, professional um, consulting engagement at the last organization that I was at, okay. and through a combination of independent. Um, exercises, group exercises, and then whatever is that magic box that they put all those surveys into. And then they come back with this combination of attributes and qualities. Mm. That was was one that became a um, defining characteristic for me, say, particularly in my work mode. Mm. But yet I felt like it also really reflected a lot of who I am in my 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 personal my professional i think self is all rather intertwined yeah yeah and and so it it just it it felt felt relevant to me so it was it was through a structured um program of of doing that ah and you took that information and took it in and have just kind of figure discover what you could learn from it it sounds like it's what I'm trying to do, and what I'm what I'm trying to do is embrace the the strength of it. Yeah, and yeah. and so I think you know the good of it, in my view, is that because I am an impatient optimist, I I see the light ahead. Yeah. I see the possibilities. Mm-hmm. I see the good. Yeah, in in things, and so I work towards that. Mm-hmm. And then I get impatient because I think that I and or we, mm. you know, could possibly make leaps to get there perhaps more quickly than either others are ready to. Yeah. Or that others may have yet seen that same light. They might see something different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to channel that into ways where I can say how, again, how can I learn from that to... To be conscious of enabling others to get to that same place Mm -hmm. so that we can leap together. And being in this new job and building a new team and Mm -hmm. adding to it this year, I'm really intentionally working on how to um, be conscious of, of where those team members are at and how do we build together. Yeah. Ah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with me today. It was so much fun to talk to you and hear more about your story and what's really kind of sparked that joy for you, as you as you said earlier, and what's really seems to motivate you. And and what I love, Ruthann, is that it's it is it's in your career, but it's in your personal life. And you kind of just said it like those things seem to be pretty inter- intertwined for you and. Uh, I think that's, I don't know, when I listen to you talk, I think that's one of the things I, I admire about you is that it's it's just kind of who you are, <laughs> you know? It just <laughs> seems to be this person who's trying to, you know, make the world a better place and being intentional about it and learning and growing throughout the whole the whole process. And I just think that's really beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing your story and, and joining me on this podcast today. I just really, really appreciate it. And thank you. I, I think that there's something so um, so beautiful in the way that you are looking to bring so many voices and perspectives and stories, mm. you know, you know, together. And I I learn, you know, each time I listen to one of your podcasts, and through that, I feel like I am making new friends and new connections Aww. and learning more about some of those individuals that I might already have the privilege to know, yeah. but maybe not know, but not know in that way. Oh. So I love what you are doing. Oh, thank you, Ruth Ann. I appreciate that. Yeah. And thanks again for taking your, your time to be here with us. Um, it's just been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you this past hour. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. I found myself reflecting on a number of things after our conversation. And one thing I really appreciate about Ruth Ann is that she is always learning and that she's purposeful in that pursuit. And along with that, she is willing and open to new experiences along the way. And I think that part is so important because so many of us 
can become uncomfortable with new experiences um, and experiencing those types of things as we get older. And it can be scary and it can be uncomfortable. And I think she's just, she's this beautiful reminder that you can create change and pivots um, at any time and when it works, when it works for you. And there is no one right time for any of us. Um, that just, that just requires that we take some time to reflect and connect and to talk to the people that are important in our lives to decide if it's the right time for us. And that could come at any time in our lives. And I just found that part really inspiring. I also found myself thinking about all these beautiful charities that she's a part of and thinking about how I could become more, um, committed to an organization or something that really aligned with my values. And if you found yourself curious about any of the organizations or the books that she mentioned in this podcast, you can find links to those in my show notes. And the show notes can be found at maureenryan.co backslash podcast. Um, But what about you? What did you find yourself reflecting on after this episode? I love to hear about it. Please share on my website at maureenryan.co. And if you haven't already, join the Becoming Aligned private Facebook community where we'll keep the conversation going. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.